Welcome to another episode of My Mind with Stephen Taylor. I am Stephen Taylor. I'm going to apologise for the, the background noise. I'm still travelling around in a car with... It doesn't matter. So, last time we spoke about a lot of different things. I kind of left it... Um, not necessarily short of things, but I wanted to go back and talk about just the, the influence of TV and TV shows and just how how periodic timepiece TV shows for the most part are just really, really good. Like there's a show on HBO was, no, it still is, on HBO, but it's not a new show now, called um, Boardwalk Empire, with Steve Buscemi, and I I know it's uh, more of a period piece rather than a factual story, I would say a lot of the stories are factual, but it is glamorised and changed so they, I guess the writers can have creative control over the character and make it a bit more um, a bit more achievable as a show so you can relate with the character who essentially is a bad guy but, you know, because writers are very creative they can make a bad guy look into a good guy and you have, you've got sympathy for that guy similar to how they how they kind of wrote Two-Face in the Dark Knight, you know, great guy, and then you understand why he's such a such bad guy at the at the end. You know, writer's very creative in that. I guess that's what they're paid to do. I mean, it'd be pretty bad if a writer wrote a show and then you had no sympathy and you couldn't relate. You couldn't relate on a personal level or with the experiences they have into your own life. Because I think that's what so it really draws an audience and I think that's the most appealing thing about TV shows is that a lot of the stories far-fetched as some stories are they still make some characters believable in it and they, and they make you believe that you can so sorry I just had to stop because I just received a call and had to stop but um, what I was saying is that Oh, what was I saying? Just, yeah, how influential and creative writers are these days to make a show, um, to make you relatable to a character, even though like this character could be, you know, uh, a, a drug dealer or um, a, a dirty cop or like a dirty like treasurer who's, you know, <laughs> using the city's funds to. Um, for his own illicit gains, and they they create this like a subplot that makes you think, oh, you know, like he's all right at heart. He's just doing it to create um, so his family lives better and his family has a better life. It's it's okay. You almost give them a pass that they've like, you know, murdered people in the show. Of course, they've murdered people in the show. They've organised people uh, to have people murdered, and they've organised people to buy drugs and sell drugs to kids and that and then you think oh 
yeah, he's alright because, you know, he's doing it so he's, you know, his daughter who has polio can live a better life, you know, even though, you know, it's destroying a hundred, a hundred other lives. And I, I think it, it's just, maybe, maybe it's always how shows are written. I mean, if you, you, you look back far enough in uh, film and television, I'm sure the plots there um, are still character relatable. I'll call it. It's so. It's yeah. It's just really humbling for some writers to take like a far out character and say, "No, we're going to ground him somehow." And I guess that's what makes a great TV show is that you're grounding a. Um, you ground the character so the audience is like, "Oh yeah, I've got a blue car too." Yeah. Oh, I've got. I've got two kids. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, he's all right. I'm alright with him. I think that's the, the one of the greatest things about television and TV show and creative writing is that they can just they can just give you this spin on like a character that grounds it, and you just think, wow, that's so relatable. I could I could almost be that guy. But um, but Boardwalk Empire, if you've not seen it, it, is probably one of the better shows that have come out in the last decade. Uh, I think. Creator was the guy who helped or wrote some of the Sopranos, and there's a lot of repeat cast from cast, sorry, from Sopranos into Boardwalk Empire, which, which I love. The Sopranos, Sopranos is probably my favourite TV show. I just love James Gandolfini and um, and. Uh, Lorraine Bracco I really liked Lorraine Bracco from like Goodfellas and that's another one like Goodfellas a lot of the cast or not a lot but like some of the cast from Goodfellas is in The Sopranos which is like awesome and then some of the Sopranos cast that's in Boardwalk Empire you know there's like those little nods that they give you to say that yeah we acknowledge that they were a gangster in another TV show and they're playing a gangster now you know like it's it's so cool but um, the Sopranos is, yeah. So I think Terrence Winter created Boardwalk Empire, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that he uh, wrote uh, a lot of the show of um, with David Chase, of course, who created The Sopranos. He wrote a lot of the shows with um, with David Chase of, of The Sopranos, and The Sopranos is another one as well. It's like, yeah, he's this you know, New Jersey mob boss, and he's got, like, you know, all these, um, uh, mob mafia, mafiosos, or whatever around him, and he's, you know, portrayals as, like, this big, tough guy, and then he has to go to a shrink, because <laughs> he has a panic attack, and it's, and it, it just really grounds, it's such an interesting take, I'm sure it wouldn't happen in real life, but it's such an interesting take, on um, having this strong, silent, tough guy um, be brought down to such a, a humanizing level of where he still does bad things, but he is um, he grounds himself by and makes you makes him relatable to uh, John and Jane Citizen by um, going to the shrink and talking about his problems and he's talking about like his paths. And, and it's so out of character for 
like a kind of mafioso in that kind of role. It's like, I think he says it in the show, he's like, I'm Gary Cooper, I'm the strong silent type. You know, like, and it's so good that a show like that, which is probably unrealistic, I don't, I can't say, but, um, well, I wouldn't say because I'm not affiliated or have ever been. I've only, the only mafia knowledge I have is through television and movies. I claim, I don't even claim to be an expert on um, Mafia or La Cosa Nostra. All I know is from movies and cinema. But I wouldn't say that, um, no, I would say that it's almost impossible that a Mafia boss or an underboss or whatever it is would go to a psychiatrist. And then, let alone have all these mafia that they play on it in the in the show and say, you know, I think um, Michael Imperioli's character, Tony Soprano, the main character, says to him, um, "Oh, you ever see? You ever want to see shrink?" And he's like, ah, "Enough of this skinny guinea." And it's it's great. It's a, it's a really great show. And another thing, it, it yeah, it just makes it so humanizing. They, all the characters have these little flaws that make them human you know um and it and that that's what makes great tv really i mean it's all about having your characters uh relatable in a sense you, you got to find common ground if you had a character that was so far out and unbelievable it's probably not going to have a second episode right there's only going to be um the one episode about this large and large. I mean, you could probably bring me examples of a, um, a character that has had a show that has lasted more than one episode because he's so large in life. I, I guarantee there is a show out there that I just don't know. But um, for the most part, I'll say for the most part, let's say 70% of television shows are... Uh, they all have a character that's relatable and the main character is relatable to their, their uh, target audience, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like video games is... They, they've got like a little bit more leeway for being a little bit crazy. I think it's almost expected that depending on the genre of video game, that they do do these larger-than-life things. I mean, because that's like... You wouldn't want to play a video game that is purely... Um, oh, I guess people do. Like, they play The Sims. They want to play out their lives, how their lives could have been if they went to college and then went to school and then became an astronaut. And then they... Um, on the computer being an astronaut, I guess. Uh, so, that, I guess there are games that portray life. But I would say, for the most part, you, I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't play a video game so I could um, pretend to do life. That would just be weird for me. I guess, though, there are some games that do it, like Grand Theft Auto, early days, and now you could do, like, the cab missions and you could be a firefighter and stuff. So I guess, you know, those games... But then the story, the story is so large in life. Like, there's no way that 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 story's true, right? There's no way that, you know, a mute breaks out of prison 
I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto 3. There's no way a mute gets broken out of prison and then works for like um, five different organizations and then the mayor and and does all this wild stuff and has this epic shootout with rocket launchers and heavy machine guns. There's no way that's like a, a true thing. Um, oh, of course, it'd be interesting if someone did live that life. That would be pretty crazy. But I would say, so going back to the point, I think a lot of video games have to be not about doing the mundane jobs that we do in life. Like, you want a video game to be so far out and so unrelatable to yourself that you feel like you are you are that character. Obviously, well, I guess you would have some things that make the character, uh, like, grounded. Like, he's got a girlfriend that he's fighting for or he's trying to save his daughter. Well, it depends on the genre, maybe. Maybe it depends on the genre of how serious the story gets taken and how serious the character gets taken. If it was like, say, uh, Doom, right? That Doom, that guy is purely there to create havoc. He's not there to um, get a girl, have a kid at the end, avenge his brother, and then shake hands with a father he never met. Like, he is purely there for chaos to murder demons. You know, that, that's what makes that game so far out and really, really cool is that, um, yeah, it's just it's just gratuitous violence with a plot, you know? Like, I, th- I feel like with Doom, the plot's secondary, the action is first, and that's cool. But say for, like, um, uh, Grand Theft Auto, uh, the, the latest one, number five, they have all the, like, there's some far-out characters in there that are 100% unbelievable. But there's uh, the one character, Michael, that's, you know, he's, like, got a struggling marriage. And he's got two kids that don't like him. And he's uh, in witness protection. And he's, like, got all these, like, character flaws. And he's, like, not not a really likable character. I would say he's more unlikable than, than Trevor in the game. I would say Trevor is the most interesting person in that game. I would say Franklin is probably the least because you kind of you've already had that kind of story play out in um, San Andreas, that kind of gangbang makes it the gangbanger makes it um, or the gang member uh, makes it big and is super successful and then he you know the world crumbles around him. But you don't really see um, a, a character like Trevor, you don't see a character like Trevor that is playable, and that's crazy. And then with GTA 5, it's so dated talking about it, but it's still a, like a cool thing to, to talk about GTA 5 because it's just so, as much as it's of its time, it was it's ahead of its time. There's no way that, um, except maybe uh, there, obviously, Rockstar's next game, Red Dead Redemption, where they just took took it all to a new level and that was crazy that game was crazy is crazy still to this day is crazy I mean you know they do the cash grab every um, I guess when you develop a game for eight years cash grabs are necessary like like you can't expect a game to be to take ten years to develop 
and then when they release like a DLC or they make microtransactions, you can't say, oh, it's unfair because I already bought the game, it should already have these things. Like, it must cost a lot of money to make a video game. Yeah, I'm only talking out my butt here, but I'm sure you've got more than 10 people to pay. For sure you've got more than 10 people to pay, right? So when, I don't necessarily, I don't like it. I don't like paying for DLC microtransactions. I like, because I can see it's a cash grab, but I don't mind if there's a game that's put the work in and, you know, it took a long time to, to develop. Like, Call of Duty is like the biggest the biggest one for it because every year uh, call, I don't know if it's going to be this year one comes out but generally every year since 2000 and I want to say 9 or 2008 a Call of Duty has come out every year so that's 11 games thereabouts about 11 games of Call of Duty have come out and every one of those games has had either map packs, map pack DLCs, or um, the latest one is buying a weapon packs. I think that was before as well. They had weapon packs and had other stuff you could buy. You could buy like the uh, Call of Duty point tokens. And I'm not slamming them, but sometimes, sometimes you're asking too much. Sometimes you're asking the customer for too much when they've already paid the game and they buy the game every year and you bring out a game every year you can't expect most people or some people to say to to give in and go and go like oh yeah take my 80 bucks i'm guilty of it i'm guilty of it. i've bought games and then they bring out a dlc and because i'm into the game i'll buy the dlc even call of duty like there's been times where you know you really want that thing that they're advertising because they make it look so good they make it look so good and you just think yeah yeah I'm gonna buy it what is it 12 bucks yeah yeah of course I'm gonna buy it it's 12 dollars 12 dollars is nothing what's that four cups of coffee three cups of coffee so you just think yeah I'll get it and then you fund the next game that comes out in the year with Grand Theft Auto I feel like you not necessarily get bang for your buck but I feel like you see where your money goes a lot more because the game is so complete complete the game's complete when the game comes out it is finished there's nothing else um really they do with the game i think the only thing they brought out for number five was first person on the next gen or not next gen now but the generation that was uh xbox one they brought out the um the first person which is incredible that's just and even Red Dead, Red Dead's first person, you know, it's probably the same, um, but it's just, you just took a game and you just made it first person and now it's like, it's crazy. That game's crazy good now because you can, you can, you can be Arthur, slinging rope and, and doing what you can punch your horse, you can do whatever, you can do whatever you want and you can do it from, um, from, you know, from your eyes to the TV. You know, you don't see the character. All you see is the character's hands punching a horse. Like, that's pretty cool. You know, your head shakes and whatnot. 
um, they made that that is the coolest feature in a game even in like Call of Duty yeah it's first person but you know I think the executions are the thing that made it um, more personal but they didn't make them first person executions but I think that might be a little bit of a copyright and a little bit of thing from like Battlefield because Battlefield's got the first person everything's first person you know you're bolting you're jumping you're shooting your um, your executions or whatever it's all um, it's all first person so for Call of Duty to go and do that they might be perceived as just copying that kind of trend I guess or I would guess I would just say yeah they would probably just get called out for copying uh, Battlefield, which is obviously a competitor, competitor of um, Call of Duty. I would still think that, um, personally, I still think that Call of Duty is the better game. Not by like a crazy amount, but yeah, I don't know. Like, well, Call of Duty's got um, the look. They've nailed the look of what a first person should be. But Battlefield has nailed the destruction and the carnage and the realism of war. You know, like there's... It's, once again, an outrageous plot. But it feels like um, a more... It feels like a realer plot. Like Call of Duty, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a Michael Bay game. You know, everything's exploding. There's like sly racial comments. There's... You know, there's token. Uh, I won't. I won't say that. I won't go there. Um, but there's, you know, there's certain things that you see um, that's like typecast towards um, just typecast to a to a Michael Bay esque film. You know, they put so much. There's like, there's always one character that you love, and then he dies at some point, and you, you don't get to see him again. You know, it either happen. They either arc too early or too late by the time it's too late you don't really care and you can kind of see that they're going to die or they um they they build him up so so high and then and then um, they unfortunately pass but um yeah in Battlefield I feel like they they just they just nailed realism the the realism of the um the war and the and, and just the feel, like it feels like a good game, yeah, but I would still say I personally am more of a fan of Call of Duty, because I played Call of Duty more than Battlefield, that's the only thing I base it on, I would happily go and play both games, but, I, but Call of Duty would be more what I would play, yeah, I would say so, that and like, and not to say e, EA, do like sometimes they don't I'll say sometimes they don't get it right and sometimes a game could have just waited another year before it came out I'll use this is only personal opinion but I'll use um, Need for Speed Heat as an example of a game that should have just waited a little bit longer for them to fine tune it and maybe did a little bit more beta testing and kind of crowd um, uh, like testers it should I feel like the testers who tested it were just like they were all hired by EA or they were all like 
I don't know. It was just so biased, like, the testing, I feel like, because it's all... It's nothing like the first two games that are meant to be the rebranding of um, the Need for Speed. I think it's Ghost. Ghost is a production company, maybe. I'm just talking about it. I'm not accusing anyone. But everything feels like... Like, you went from, like, the first game to being able to drive really well and the customization looks really cool and you can do lots of um, decals and vinyls and everything's really, really polished and the dry, the like, the grip racing is really good but the drifting is like, oh, like, it's okay but I'm not really, you know, it's not really that good and then Payback, the, the drifting was, like, it was the same uh, customization, unreal, cars looked unreal, body kits, all that. Um, they introduced like a different kind of upgrading system which was uh, which was okay and then they made the drifting really really good. I feel like they did a really good job and the story for an Eve Speed story was like oh uh, uh, yeah it's not bad. Like there's there's definitely worse plots to a Need for Speed game. I think Undercover personally was my least favourite Need for Speed uh, story. But um, the the plot for Payback was, yeah, it was okay. You know, you could kind of see it, like, you kind of see where they were trying to go and um, what they were doing, and it all kind of, you know, it, it didn't make sense, but it was good. It was a decent story. And then he, I'm only, uh, I'll ballpark it, maybe 30% into it, and I don't like it. It's horrible. It's probably. It, it just feels like it, it could have been polished more. Like, the drifting is horrible. The grip racing is horrible. You, you, you break and handbrake to try and do this cool power slide, and you just turn 90 degrees. Like, I don't know if I'm playing um, the driving game wrong. <laughs> like, it feels like I can get my... I'm, I'm an avid gamer, and I feel like I game pretty well. For my age and um, my reaction times are still like pretty good, um, but this game I just could not get. I just can't get the cars to work for me. I just I, I tried going to manual, and I generally play Forza Horizon uh, manual for the most part, especially if I'm doing like a drifting thing. I definitely put it in manual because you can control the um, RPM uh, a lot better and you can make it a lot smoother and you can adjust the, the camber of the tyres and it actually matters and the suspension whereas this one you can have the camber so your wheels are basically 50 degrees <laughs> incline and it doesn't matter like that could be your well it feels like it doesn't matter and you can have your car low as and it doesn't matter it doesn't count for anything it doesn't like make you um, turn more or less it just it's purely um, aesthetic you know like it's purely just to look at and you do and the kind of suspension and um, that like yeah it doesn't matter so then I tried playing it in manual and it was going okay but then I just couldn't get it to hold a drift 
And then, so I thought, oh, I'll just, I don't usually Google things. I like to kind of figure it out for myself, but I Googled it. And I had all the drifting parts that they'd assigned. Um, the upgrade system is way better. They've definitely improved on that since the very the first one to pay back to this one. They've definitely made that better. You can put engine swaps in it now, and that's a cool thing. That's cool. Um, actually, I'll say that the, the one thing that did stand out to me that was cool is you can change your exhaust to be like really raw and aggressive and sound really dirty, or you can make it sound really clean and crisp. That's a cool thing. That's a cool little add-on that's like a, a gimme. I feel like that shouldn't have been um, like a key talking point, but it is a good point that they have put in there. It's like a little nod to um, how you want your car to sound and that kind of stuff. Um, but then... Um, yeah, so you can't change the the gear ratio, right, on your on your manual. So you can't have like your say you want your third gear really long, so you get like a lot of um, a lot of kind of torque out of it, right? I'm not really a car guy. I don't really I understand it on video games. I don't understand it in practicality in life. But um, yeah, so you, you know you can't really. Uh, drifter probably but the, the thing so I googled it and the thing that I found out was that you don't put the drifting suspension on and the drifting differential you put a different one to make you drift and now the drifting is like more bearable but it, it but why would you make why would you make it so the drifting components for like the drifting kind of build you want to do doesn't really work and I'm at like it shouldn't be that you get to the very end of the game and you can fully build the build that you want. You should be able to progressively build uh, the build, uh, whether it be like an RPG, uh, uh, you know, massive multiplayer RPG or whatever. You should be able to have the components so you can pull off the the build and the character or the car that you want for like your first, uh, say, eight hours of gameplay. Because essentially you grow attached to, uh, you know, personally speaking, I grow attached to, like, my character. If I have to start my character again because I've made wrong choices, that sucks. That sucks a lot. I don't... I hate that. I hate getting all the way through again. It really happened with Fallout 76. I started making the wrong choices in my, um, my skill build because one of my, um, close friends was doing um, a kind of build and then I started doing the same things he was doing but then I realised that's not what I wanted to do and then I can't I can't take it back so now I sp then I spent the next 10 levels trying to get my build back on track for what I wanted so it really like threw me I haven't started again I don't think I will but, um, but you know I had to I had to readjust my whole gameplay because that's not how I wanted my character and then um yeah, so you shouldn't have to get to, say, I'll use an example, level 50 to have the build you want. You should be able to get it, you know, halfway through and then be happy to add on to your build. And I feel like that's what Need Speed Heat did. It feels like you have to complete the game. I haven't completed the game, but it feels like you have to get to the very end of, you know, you, there's always a point in the game where you can buy everything and get everything. I feel like you have to be at that point in Need Speed Heat to start making builds work for you, which that sucks and it shouldn't be the case. And I really don't like it for that. So I feel like EA 
should have just maybe fine-tuned that aspect a little bit more. Or maybe I'm just rubbish. I'll happily accept that too, because I'm probably not going to play it again. So I'll happily um, just bow out and say, you know what, maybe I'm just a rubbish um, player on Need for Speed Heat. You know, if that's the case, that's fine. If I can't make it work, then, you know, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll happily accept that. So, um, yeah, that's, um, that's what I think of that game. I tell you, a game that I'm really looking forward to is um, actually Cyberpunk, the game that's been pushed back uh, more times than Summon in a Mosh Pit. It's been pushed back so many times. But at the end of the day, like, it, it doesn't matter because the game is going to be, oh, fingers crossed, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be the game that that everyone plays, like Witcher 3 did, I, th- I don't think Witcher 3, I think Witcher 3 had the massive following, but people still didn't really, um, not necessarily get it, but people didn't want it, no, I won't say that, it's just like, I feel like it got a lot better after, like, game of the, when the Game of the Year edition came out, I feel like a lot more people bought into The Witcher after that, I bought it, maybe... No, I played it when it came out, and then I got the Game of the Year edition because I wanted I wanted a disc and I wanted the um, and then when I bought it, I, I and I wanted the DLC. Um, that another another game I'm happy to pay for DLC for is The Witcher. That is like that's probably my favorite game in the last Witcher Three: Wild Hunt. That is definitely um, top of the top three the last decade of games. I would say for sure. Only personal opinion, but I had a good discussion with it um, with someone, and we both came to the conclusion that we can both go back and play that game, and we're very happy to play the game. And he he said that he is still finding things in that game that he didn't see before. And I'm the same. I found um, uh, I was just looking for something. And there's like a little nod to the Game of Thrones episode where the um, Peter uh, Peter Dinklage's character is in the cell on the cliff, and there's like a little skeleton. Like he was, he was the. It's like a little nod, and I found that like purely accidental. I thought that is that is crazy. Like they obviously put that in after um, like the Game of Thrones episode about it, like, that's so cool that they put that, like, they always put, like, that little easter egg, games are really good for easter eggs, they put the easter eggs in, and and people get all giddy about it, that's why it's a really, um, going back to what I said on the last episode, is that games have just come so far, so far, so far since I was young, I remember when a story, um, back then, would go on for days. I mean, I played after school and I played on weekends and it just felt like, oh, I was never going to finish this game. You know, it just went on for so long. And then, I, you know, you go back and play it as an adult and you finish it in four hours. You know, like a game now uh, takes, takes me, I reckon, campaign, no messing about, between eight to ten hours. 
unless I struggle, unless I really push myself, I reckon eight hours, eight to ten hours I can spend on a video games campaign and all the other stuff. All the other stuff for some games feels like null and void once you've finished the story. Some games only make it feel like you should just play the story and you can do the side missions to make your, your story experience a little bit better, but yeah, some games it's, you know, you have to, I'll use Witcher 3 as another example, you have to do like the, the monster contracts and like the side quests, like if you want to be the best witcher you can be and have all the mutations and, and do your build, that's a game where like the build matters and you can have your build. Um, at an early stage, you don't have to be whatever the max level is. I don't think there is a max level actually, but you don't have to be level 70 to finally finish your build. You know, like you can have your build by like level 20 and then add on to your build to make your character a lot better. And you know, shout out to who made who made Witcher CD Project Red. I think they're Polish. Anyway, that's great game, perfect game. Um, yeah, it feels like a lot of games come out. They make the side missions just to coexist with the with the main story instead of um, you need to do them to make your story better or have more fun in the story. It feels like you just do them because that's just what video games do now they have um, side quests that go here and kill so and so then loot his body and that's your mission done and then you know you just get some extra money to spend on nothing or it's a collectible one you know you go there and you find a uh, I don't know a gold hat and then you get like a concept art <laughs> like a 3D model or something like that, you know, like something, obviously, um, people achievement hunting it, make it more worth it, but, yeah. Well, I'll stop it there, thank you for listening, and I'll probably put one up, I'll, I've got a microphone now, so the next one I put up will be cleaner and crisper. Thank you for listening to me rant about... It was all about how rubbish Need for Speed Heat is, really. So if you want to listen to that, um, happy with that. Thank you, and goodbye.